Theorizing that Quantum Leap would hold up after 30 years, two friends set out to watch every episode and vanished. Oh boy. Possible dream to fight the unbeatable foe. I'm Sancho. Oh boy! Featuring Kristen and Leet. Yeah! Hello, welcome to another episode of Oh Boy, it's, it's Kristen and Leet. I'm Kristen. I'm Leet. We just watched some more Quantum Leap. <laughs> this is a show where we watch an episode of Quantum Leap and then talk about Quantum Leap. We watched season two, episode 10, titled Catch a Falling Star. Kristen, why don't you tell us what the episode is about? So Sam leaps into 1970. We, we came in with like really hot energy in this one. I know. <laughs> okay, let's bring it down so we can actually Why? have a reasoned, comprehensive, methodical, beat by beat conversation about this episode. No! Okay, fuck it. <laughs> so this episode features Sam Beckett quantum leaping into 1979 into a production of Man of La Mancha, where he is the understudy. For Don Quixote. And uh, a new understudy has just been hired onto the show. And it's Sam's old piano teacher, who he had a big crush on when he was 15. Yeah. As a, as someone who is um, an actor slash piano teacher, I found this episode very interesting. <laughs> um, and uncomfortable. Oh, really? Well, I guess just all this talk about, like, you know, he had a crush on his yeah. piano teacher, and there's, like, a weird fetishizing of of piano teachers <laughs> that I just found very weird. See, also the music man. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, he's not a music teacher. No, Sam isn't. No, but or he's a music Ray? man. Oh, no, but she is. She's the piano teacher in town. Oh. Marion the librarian is also the piano teacher. Oh, but she didn't teach him when he was 15. No, but he it is still another um it's it's she's she's the love object uh of I always the, felt we fetishized her more for her librarianness than her piano teaching. You know what I mean? I mean that's true. There's a whole song about it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, this is a really fun episode. Oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> I just, all I have to say is, yeah, thank God. Um, so this is an interesting episode because the thing that Sam is here to fix is such a nothing thing that doesn't affect anything and doesn't matter at all in the world. So I do think we finally hit that episode where Sam was sent to this time and place to learn a lesson. And yeah. I think that's great. Yeah. Well, what was the lesson? The lesson um, was um, to dream the impossible dream, <laughs> <laughs> to catch a falling star, put ideal. it in his pocket, <laughs> never let it fade away. <laughs> well, I mean, also to be that actually, now that we've watched the episode, that title is horrifyingly literal. <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, oh no, he fell and he got him. <laughs> he literally caught a falling star. Okay. Oh, no. We'll get to that in a little bit. But... Oh, God. I can't believe it took me so long to figure <laughs> out what you meant. I'm like, <laughs> what do you mean, literal? Um, what? Like, the lesson I think that Sam learns here is about. I mean, I guess in a way it's kind of a horrifying message as well, but it's it's about 
not worrying about his own needs and sublimating his uh, his own life in service of others, which I suppose right. It's about because there's there's this whole the mid the 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 midpoint of this episode is very much um, him deciding not to help. And uh, I don't get what I want, so I'm not going to help anymore. I'm just going to sit here and cross my arms and wait uh, for this leap to be over. And then in the end, he, he learns the lesson of, like, to be the knight errant. Yeah. Wait, to be the... The knight errant. That's, again, that's a man of La Mancha. Yeah, yeah. But to... to... I thought, like, I, I, I understood the words. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And then I kind of thought about it. First, it was yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. If you don't know Man of La Mancha, I might use a lot of um, turns of phrase and stuff that you might not get because I'm quoting this musical that I know so, so well and love a lot. So like a a person who helps out, though, just in a general way that's like here. Yeah, I would say, yeah, just an adventuring do-gooder. Yeah. Okay. I got that. I got that. Um, I understand words. Mm-hmm. Even if I don't get the reference sometimes. Um, so this episode begins with our um, standard Scott Bakula voiceover where he does a surprising amount of uh, the Shakespeare All the World's a Stage monologue. Yeah, he did like most of it. Like a pretty big chunk of it. <laughs> um, uh, for no apparent reason. It's just setting us up that he's going to be on stage. Theater, Shakespeare, same thing. And then uh, he leaps in to um well he has left but like okay so we saw the part before where he's getting the makeup put on he's getting everything put on and then uh he's in the wings like about to go on because Mm -hmm. the star john o'malley john o'malley name yeah i guess it's just like late every night for his call time that's the thing he seems drunk and it seems like they just kind of get uh, Sam Sam has leapt into the uh, a guy named Ray Hutton, so it seems like they just kind of get Ray ready and in costume and makeup, just in case, just in case, because he's drunk every night. So, yeah, um, uh, John O'Malley was kind of interesting in that they used him to be like every negative theater stereotype. Yeah. I think first he's like difficult and extravagant, and he's always wearing a cape. And very flamboyant. So there's like that one, like, you know, he's an aged, over-the-top star. But then he's also a drunk and unpredictable. You don't know if he's going to come on stage every night. That's sort of another yep. uh, stereotype. And then thirdly, he is like a lech and he sleeps with all the chorus girls. Yep. Um, it's it's interesting just because I, I, I don't know if those three archetypes are exactly like compatible. <laughs> Maybe two out of three, I would say. Like, I could see a drunk lech. I could see, like, a diva drunk. Yeah. I could see... A diva lech. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, it's just uh, all together it was like, I don't know, man. This whole guy is just a whole lot of negative. Yeah. I also, like, the the one I, put, I made a note that was literally, like, this guy is every negative stereotype of music, about musical theater people. Yeah. And it's at the opening night party where he's singing songs from the musical loudly to everybody and nobody wants him to sing yeah. <laughs> i'm like yeah that is yeah what that is who gives all of us a bad name yeah well and i i guess like he was a star enough that like you know the 
director slash music director slash stage manager who seemed to just be one dude. Yeah. Like, let him do whatever the hell he wants. Yeah. Like... Recasting the show. Yeah. Like, oh, tomorrow night, shouldn't... Well, let's just get her be to be the leading lady. And everyone's like, whatever you say, John. It's like, no, no. That's, yeah. that's kind of outrageous, but whatever. Um, and yeah, he gets away with a lot. And I guess because he's a quote unquote terrific performer or whatever. Yeah, I mean, like, in uh, according to the IMDb trivia here, he was in fact the original understudy to Richard Kiley in the Broadway production of Man of La Mancha. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Good for him. Good for him to, like, play the star, like, the character of the star and yeah. not the understudy in a weird way. Um, so anyway, they, they this is another funny thing. The stage manager is, like, yelling at, at runs into the dressing room and starts yelling at the costume lady. Like, and it's him. seconds! There's 50 seconds! You've got to get on stage! Ah! And then, like, he's counting down. Three, two, one! And then the curtain goes up and they've still got, like, five minutes of conversation before the entrance actually happens. And it's also just like, it doesn't really work like that. Like, it's not like, guys, we have to start the play at 8 o'clock every night. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, you make sure everybody's ready to go. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to call a 5. Yeah. You know, like, you know, or, or check in or whatever. Like, it's not the end of the world if you're a minute late. Yeah. So this whole 50 seconds business, I'm like, why are we down to seconds? Like, yeah. it doesn't really get down to seconds when you're in the wings. I'm pretty sure it doesn't even... You get five, you get places. Yeah. And uh, that's also flexible. And then also when the curtain goes up and there's like a three minute dance number, hey, the people aren't going to be like at their entrance at that moment. Yeah. Guess what? Like it's not even places Like I will be because I'm a good, good boy and I don't want anyone to yell at me ever, (laughs) but like I'm there in the wings, but like you don't have to be. Can we just talk about like, I haven't seen Man of La Mancha, but yeah, if this episode was accurate then man of la mancha opens with like a five minute (laughs) it's just a guitar strumming the same bar like a really pleasant low-key guitar like kind of melody list just like vague num 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 numbing on guitar (laughs) num numbing on guitar while two ladies just kind of dance and there's not even like a particular dance they're just kind of swaying their arms and like pointing their legs every now and then i'm like this isn't a number this is just people vaguely dancing and playing music here's the thing Kristen, is that that's not actually that far off of the actual musical that's how the play starts that's pretty much how the right after the overture yeah that's all right. It just seemed like a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, yeah, Sam is standing backstage waiting for his entrance, which is still like several minutes away. And uh, John O'Malley, uh, the drunk actual star of this show, comes up and hobbles on stage. Yeah. Uh, and that's uh, our, our, again, it was like, oh no, Sam's going to have to do this show. And then always, 100% of the time, the answer is no, Sam does not have to do the show at the beginning. He does yeah. it at the end. Not at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. Let's that stop would, faking this out. I just, what if they did it? Like, that would be so fun and uncomfortable to have to yeah. watch Sam, like, you know, because he, he luckily gets several scenes, like you said, throughout the episode where, like, Al coaches him through the lines or he looks at the script or he falls into his Swiss cheese memory of it mm-hmm. or whatever. 
But, like, I just want to see him have to do the show. I know. It would be amazing if, like, he leaps and he's in the middle of a note. Like, he's just like, ah! Uh. Uh. He doesn't know what the show is, what his next word is. Memory! Just out of nowhere. Yeah, he just starts singing the first song he knows, which is Memory from Cats. And then he looks down and sees he's in Don Quixote costume. As a side note, um, my sister once was playing piano on an audition panel um, where uh, someone came up and they're like, what are you going to be singing today? And they go, I will be singing Memories by Cats. By Cats? <laughs> Memories by Cats. <laughs> Memories <laughs> by Cats. <laughs> like, wrong, wrong, wrong. Yep, all three of those words was wrong. <laughs> I love the concept. Wait, no, okay, the word cats <laughs> was in fact by Cats. <laughs> <laughs> She got two out of three words. But oh, she got one out of three words. Just the notion that cats wrote this song. <laughs> anyway. Hey, listen. Jellical cats can and jellicals do. Jellical can. I love cats so much. I know you do. I'm so excited for the film. <laughs> I'm so excited. Okay, anyway. Oh, it's time train, for train time. Train time. Jellicles can and jellicles do. Jellicles do and jellicles can. Jellicles can. Anyway, so I guess what I was music theater episode. What I was saying before about how musical theater people don't actually sing loudly at parties. We do. We do. I'm not gonna lie. We do. Oh yeah. No, this episode did make me several times be like, God, I hate music theater people. Like occasionally. But I I am like one sometimes. I mean, that's like, I see, I dislike people who say they dislike musical theater people because for the most part, we don't actually live up to the stereotype. Most musical theater people, like, they sing for their jobs. So, like, they don't have to. Yeah. At parties and stuff. It's only like, it's kind of like my thing about improv that, like, the, the, stereotype about improv is that there are improvisers i should say is that they're like always sucking all the air out of a party and stuff but it's just like only the new ones who are excited and like don't know life balance yet once you kind of like get into the swing of it you're like yeah this is my job and like i'm not gonna do it on my downtime i agree i think that when i get frustrated it's like if it's a party or like a karaoke night type situation where um it's all music theater people who don't have the career they want yet yeah and that's and they're on they're on all the time because they want to be discovered they want to be singing all the time i mean i'm not saying that that's why yeah but, but like they they do want to be discovered and you know whether or not it's related are singing all the time yeah um yeah so Anyway, y- young, young musical young. theater people are the Let's worst. Let's just say that young people are the worst. Um, the, those of us past, you know, 30-something, we're too tired and too jaded to actually sing at parties. I'm not there yet. I will be this year. I'm going to be 30. All right. Oh, you're so young. <laughs> um, the things I've yet to experience. Then we get, like, a nice long... Al scene where Al's just talking about how much he loves the theater. And of course he does because Al loves culture. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Al, Al just loves every little thing that Sam does. Maybe that's it. Maybe Al 
like wasn't in the civil rights movement doesn't actually speak italian at all he just wants sam to like him so so much yeah so every episode he's like yeah yeah i know about this i'm oh i know this uh oh yeah i'll help you i'll help you he also says he says theater is what al got al out Out of of the the orphanage." orphanage and i was like is this new information or is it did he talk about no. that? Maybe he talked about it in Jimmy and we just didn't watch it. But I don't know. I guess this is the downside of having skipped an episode is that like we, there may have been information in there. I mean, I also wouldn't be surprised if this is just how we learn that Al grew up in an orphanage. Yeah. Because that's how things tend to work in this. But like... But what a fucking career this guy. He's an orphan. He got out to, to like, do summer Theater stock. Theater got him out at the orphanage, which I'm and like, then that seems... he went on to be a, a Navy pilot and admiral, yeah. astronaut. Physicist. Whatever he does for kind Quantum of. Leap. Like, yeah. <laughs> general man about town for Quantum Leap. What is this guy's fucking life? Yeah, he's... It's, it was like we say every episode. How can he be everything? Like Sam, how can he know everything? There are just a couple of time-traveling James Bonds who are like, sure, I know how to do this. <laughs> Why not? Because that's the thing about James Bond, right? Is You're like, he can speak every language. He's like, oh, sure, I can pretend to do this because I actually do know how to do this. I'm also an expert this and that. I know karate. I know how to do this. I can sing. <laughs> and you're like, all right, James, you're very impressive. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um... We get, uh, oh, we also find out that, um, Sam used to be obsessed with, um, Man of La Mancha, and while they were building Quantum Leap, that was the one track, or the one, the one album that they would play over and over and over again, and the song The Quest, or also known as The Impossible Dream, was their quote-unquote song, Sam and Al Have a Song, uh, and there's that, uh, we also get the download that what Sam is apparently here to do... It's just to save this guy from breaking his leg. I will say that the um, the mission for this episode, like you have to do this to, in order to leap, is extremely low stakes, it seems. Yep, it's absolutely low stakes. And he, like irrelevant to what this episode is about. And he's there for about four days. And the action that he actually needs to do to save this guy from breaking his leg was about eight seconds. Yeah, he didn't have to work towards it throughout the time. Like, nothing that he was doing with Nicole or Michelle mm-hmm. or any of these people had anything to do with what he was there to do. Which is why I'm saying this leap wasn't about that. This was a yeah. leap about Sam's personal growth, which I love. Yeah, it was fun. It was nice. It was nice. Um. So, yeah, Um. the star of the show, John O'Malley, is going to get so drunk in like three days' time that he's going to fall down some stairs on stage, break his leg, and end his career. Sam is there to stop that from happening. Yeah. And at first there's like a little bit of a conversation about how are we going to do that? Well, it's three days. I can't really sober him up in three days. And then Al says, oh, well, why don't you just get him so drunk that he can't perform at all that night? And Sam's like, but if he doesn't go on, then I have to go on and I don't know the show. Um, so that's, that's kind of where we leave the actual mission this week. And then it's just a lot of personal stuff Mm -hmm. because Sam sees across the stage, uh, Nicole, his old piano teacher. Yeah. Um, and he, uh, yeah, he's just like taken right away when he sees her and she's looking at him and it was kind of funny when he's like, she recognizes me. And he's like, well, 
No. I was like, she obviously recognizes Ray. And he's like, no, she recognizes me. It's like, oh, let's not have another Donna Elise moment where you're like, look into my eyes. You can tell that I'm someone else. At least they learned. They didn't do that. Yeah. But also it's like, you were 15. She... The, his his expectations for this episode are very weird. Like mm-hmm. that he had this huge crush on her when he was 15 and she was 25. And he wants to like live out his 15-year-old fantasy basically. I mean, who doesn't? I don't know. That's creepy. It's yeah. creepy. And it's... then she doesn't know that it's him. And he makes jokes about it as they go along. And he talks about how like, yeah, she didn't let on that she knew that I had a crush on her and like all this stuff. And it's like, I don't know, maybe because she was a professional who maybe didn't know or wasn't. Yeah. But also we get about that. a hint about that later when he, uh, this is a, a little later, but he's in her apartment and starts playing the piano. And she goes, oh, that's funny. I used to know somebody who played that warm up. And he goes, oh, yeah, who, who, who do you, do you remember who it was? Did you love him? Um, yeah. Was and, he like super was it, sexy? And she's like even fully, if he was 15? she's fully like, oh, I don't remember. <laughs> he meant literally nothing to me. <laughs> it's like again that's an important thing for Sam to have learned yeah like that to you it was a really big deal because you were a 15 year old boy yeah who probably was in love with every 20 something year old woman you saw right like yeah. knowing Sam now yes in love with every single woman he sees he talks about that several times though there's one episode was it the Donna Lisi episode or there was some episode where he talks about how he had how when he was in kindergarten he had a crush on a teacher he remembers all of his weird that was, um, crushes. Doc Van Morrison. Yes. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah, she was a professional and you were one of her many students. Yeah. And surprise, not every woman who has an impact on you uh, belongs to you, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, it reminds me a little bit, actually, of... Um, it, this is a little bit of a journey, but uh, there's a... Take us on that journey. There's a folk comedy duo that I like a lot on Twitter. Uh, they are called Friends Who Folk, mm-hmm. and they have one song um, about... They call it a, a song about self-care, and it's just them talking about when they go to bed, all they do is sit in bed and relive all of their... Uh, you know, traumas and like yeah. the, the the chorus goes, I think about everything I've ever done wrong. I think about everything I've ever done wrong. I start at the beginning and go by year by year. And it's like that. And then one of the, one of the verses is the, the guy in the group saying, talking about a, a story about how one time in elementary school, he uh, threw up on his art teacher's picture because she was drawing a picture to demonstrate what they were going to be doing that day. And he threw up on the picture <laughs> and and that's just like this trauma that he relives every night when he goes to bed. And at the end of the chorus, uh, he goes, Mrs. Tashiano, I'm sorry about your picture. And it makes me laugh so hard because <laughs> I'm like, okay, she was an elementary school art teacher. Probably there was at least once a year a kid threw up on her picture. Like, she does not remember you. But it's so meaningful to you because it's like, oh, my God, that one time I threw up on my teacher's painting. But it's like the teacher doesn't care like this is yeah. some stupid fucking picture that they shat out to demonstrate something to their kids they don't care they are not emotionally invested in this picture and also probably kids throw up every fucking year so like it means so much to you but so little to them yeah you know what i mean 
Well, and yeah, and in that scene where she's like, I knew someone who did that warm up. It's like, well, it was probably in the like, you know. You taught him the warm up. Yeah. You were his piano teacher. And it was probably in one of those warm up technique books by whatchamacallit. You know, like a bunch of go- those guys had them for Yeah, Boris. like your uh, Bella Bartok. Yeah, I don't know if he did, did he do them. He did a microcosmos, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Or like Boris Berlin or, or one of those guys. Or one of those guys. Yeah, yeah you you get it. Like yeah. they're they're everywhere. Also, hold on, I just want to flag this. Yeah, flag it. We learned in Blind Faith. Blind Faith is that the one? Yeah, that he plays piano. But he played Carnegie Hall at eighteen, I think. So why was he taking piano lessons with this person who isn't actually a real pianist at 15? Sam played Carnegie Hall at 18. Yeah, that was something we learned at the end of Blind Faith. Oh, crazy. So like she's not a professional music teacher. She's a professional actor who teaches music for money. Yeah, he would have had to have studied with like... But then again, it's Sam. He could have like started like (laughs) at 15 and been perfect by 18. Well, I mean, that uh, he didn't have to be a beginner when she taught him, but it's more like he could have been higher up. It's more that she's not a, she's probably not like one of the great piano teachers, mm-hmm. you know, like there's a difference between her and learning from like, oh, you get it. Like, yeah, yeah someone she's... who does that all the time and was a professional musician and, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so I don't know, maybe she helped him out, but like, yeah, it does seem weird. Yeah. He was self-taught. Probably. She got him started. She's like, uh, she's like, look, this line right here, that's middle C. And he's like, got it, moving on. (laughs) (laughs) Understood. With this photographic memory that they bring into play every now and then just to remind us that like, no, no, this isn't just convenient. This is a part of his character. He can do anything. We said it. We said it earlier. He's perfect. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, turns out that uh, w- when she was waving at him, the thing that we were talking about 20 minutes ago, when she was waving at him across the stage, she was in fact raving at Ray because they went to Juilliard together. They had a relationship. They know each other very well. Yeah. She did not recognize Sam. She recognized Ray, her lover and best friend from Juilliard. Yeah, I, I just imagine Sam being like really jealous of Ray, be like, who's this fucking Ray? Like- <laughs> <laughs> I'll kill him! <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wouldn't that be so funny? <laughs> He's like, I know what I have to do, Al. <laughs> I'm going to take a dive off these stairs. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do really like, so Al and Sam are like backstage. I'm not sure if it's before or after he, I think it's before he sees her. And they're just talking about, like, theater. And Al's, like, singing Oklahoma or whatever. But then um, John O'Malley comes backstage. And Al is like, oh, my God, you're giving a terrific performance. And then he just says, John O'Malley turns to Sam and says really confidently, I am giving a terrific performance and stumbles off. There's another really good one. Uh, the, 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 the way that conversation begins is Sam is talking to Al and and uh, uh, says something like, I'm, I'm not an actor. And that's the moment when O'Malley comes up and he says, well, you're not, you're, you're, you're okay. You're nothing compared to me. But then again, who is? 
Yeah, yeah. I love that he's so drunk that seeing a guy just sitting there saying out loud, like, I'm not a good actor is, like, normal. He's just like, sure you are. Whatever. Whatever. I'll never let you go on stage. I do like to talk to no one. (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah, so Nicole, the piano teacher. um, Yeah, there's this scene um, when, uh, uh, again, Sam is in... Nicole's apartment and they're they're talking about because they lost track of each other apparently after Juilliard and went their separate ways and um Nicole says oh I understand it if there's somebody else in your life and Sam says there's nobody else with like a lot of confidence for somebody who doesn't know that that is true well Leet Leet goes like you don't know that and I'm like well we definitely know that's not true with Sam either because it's like with Sam he, like, again. I'm assuming you want to go back to the present where Donna Lisi will, you know what I well, mean? Well, we're like, not sure whether Donna Lisi is waiting for him. No, but like I, but I assume that, that was he keeps intention. referring to her as the love of his life. So I'm like, okay, I think he wants to go back to Donna. I think but they're also he's... assuming that we've forgotten about Donna Lisi at this point. Which, ugh. like, that was episode three of season one. Like, yeah. we're not supposed to remember Terry Hatcher. But they, I don't know. They made it such a big deal at the time. And yeah. also, like, I don't know. In the meantime, he's also fallen in love with several other women. Yeah. So it's like, well, you've de- definitely, she's not the only one for you. Yeah. And she wasn't ever yours to begin with. She was just your piano teacher. And also, Ray might be married with children. I'm yeah. just saying. Maybe, Yeah. I mean, I guess we're told because he's been sleeping around with Michelle, the woman who is playing Dulcinea. Yeah, this is a weird thing because all along, Michelle is hanging off of him and and smooching him and stuff. And Sam being Sam is always like, I don't like this. And then, but but it, it makes it very much look like they're a couple. And then at the end of the episode, I think, uh, um... Our, our Sancho Panza just says, oh yeah, they're not a couple. And I was like, what? But well, no, You've he, been lying to us this whole fucking episode. He does say that at the beginning, though, because right before he's waiting in the wings and before he's supposed to go on, Michelle is doing her little dancing with her arms waving around and she turns to him and goes like, good luck or something. Or like, you're going to be great, Ray. And I'm also thinking to myself, there's no way the audience didn't see or hear this yeah. dancer just go like, you're going to be great, Ray. This is another thing about this <laughs> like, show is that they fully think that if you say words at a normal speaking volume on stage, the audience has no idea. <laughs> they can't hear you. But then also, they if only you're hear singing or projecting. But then also, if you're acting at just a normal speaking volume, that is also sufficient to carry yeah. to the back of the house. Oh yeah, they're like, if if you're not acting, they don't hear you, um, <laughs> which is funny. I love um, that so much. But like, so she turns to him and says, "Like you're gonna be great, Ray." And then uh, Sancho goes to Ray and says something about like I don't know why like you won't like she she lo- loves you and you won't love her or something he's like I would give my right arm or whatever to right. do her laundry he says something like that so that told I I yeah that told me that from the beginning that she loves him yeah or or at least wants to bone down I guess I thought maybe they have boned down, but like, like maybe. That, that they're not. He's that he's just thinking it's casual. She's for sure into him. Yeah, I don't know. Um. Yeah. Okay. Uh. Here's a question. Yeah. So Nicole is like, 
is like, yeah, I've just been cast as the understudy. I'm like mid run. It's opening night when the sh- when, oh. when Sam leaps in. So oh, okay. maybe, that. but that's, it's weird. I'm not saying it, I'm sure that's happened or I've, you know, I think I've seen in productions in the past, like, you know, if it's a really long run, they yeah. might have to swap people out. Sure. Of course that, that'll happen mid run, but it's very weird but to cast her night. opening night unless like literally the actual understudy broke her leg that day. But also th- this is also very strange because it seems like there are like seven Dulcinea understudies. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, who's always, Anita? Anita is around from time to time. There's and always like a petite, what is she? A, a petite woman with like big brown hair, just waiting in the wings, stretching. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is such a weird. They don't know what kind of status of show this is. They keep talking about this is in Syracuse, and everyone's like really disappointed because they're all Broadway people who are in this random sit-down performing a production in Syracuse, but they can also afford, like, a million understudies. Yeah. And, like, the stakes seem to be incredibly, incredibly high, but also John O'Malley seems too good for this production. Yeah. I would say everybody is. Like, even Ray is the understudy, and they're like, you've, you've you toured around with this, you played you were, the lead in this. You were in Camelot in London. Yeah. You should be, like, you're the guy who should be leading like a very up and coming cast. Yeah, you're telling me that a guy who played the lead in Camelot in London is understudying. Well yeah, I don't think they said the lead in Camelot. I think they just said he did Camelot in London. But even so, like like he's the guy who should be Don Quixote. Everyone else Syracuse. Yeah, while while John O'Malley is doing it on fucking Broadway or on national tour or something. Yeah. Well even the fact that they were like that, that we know Nicole and Ray studied at Juilliard, you know? Like, I know that Juilliard doesn't solve all your problems, but I yeah, was I like... Yeah, I mean, Juilliard's got to shit out 50 or 100 actors a year. Like, like not everyone who goes to Juilliard is, like, you know, above no, the bill. but, like, I don't know. It, it It's just... I, I get what you're saying, though, that this production seemed too good for what it was. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, it's 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 just the the show didn't know what this production was. The show didn't know how theater works. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> kind of like Disco Inferno. You're just like, yeah. Why, why are there people on stage not acting sometimes in front of an audience? Like people just wander on and off. Like in the end, we'll get to that. That mm-hmm. was a huge problem, but like. People talking everywhere. It also just occurred to me that this is kind of a bottle episode. Like, we didn't have any locations outside this theater. They fully just rented a theater no, for no, a week. No, no, we did. We had the bar and we had oh, right, there was the Nicole's bar. apartment. Oh, you're right. I, I lose. Yep. Never mind. Who's the fact person now? <laughs> that would be Kristen Zaza. <laughs> Kristen <laughs> Elaine <a> Zaza. <laughs> it's not my middle name. <laughs> Yeah, so they go to the bar after that. Mm-hmm. And this is where I was like, oh, God, because John O'Malley enters the bar. And uh, as he enters, everybody claps. And the pianist, by the way, who's amazing, the <laughs> pianist at this bar is great, starts playing The Impossible Dream. And he just starts like, the impossible, like just starts yeah. belting it in the middle of this bar. And everyone's kind of delighted. Some people are kind of rolling their eyes. And I'm like, oh, God, this moment. This is the moment yeah. that I can't... T- this is the moment. <laughs> <laughs> My final quest? 
Oh, is that in that song too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, cool, 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 cool. No, uh, I, I just thought the irony of of talking about how much I hate when people burst mm-hmm. spontaneously out into song, and that's all this episode is making me want to do. So maybe I just hate myself. <laughs> I agree. I hate myself too. <laughs> I agree. I hate you too, Chris. Um, there and yeah, the pianist like constantly. John O'Malley will like start singing, and of course they've they've bought the rights to all of Man of La Mancha, so he never sings anything other than Man of La Mancha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no matter, he'll he'll start singing, and then suddenly like the pianist will be like, "Oh shit, I gotta catch he's up." Okay, ready. he's it's ready. Like he's his personal pianist, and he's always in key too. He, he just knows he's got perfect pitch, so yeah. he already knows. Oh shit, he's singing an F. <laughs> or or like John O'Malley can only ever sing in F, so they transpose like every song in this entire show. They've transposed into John O'Malley's <laughs> optimal range. Yeah, probably. Yeah, this party it was so like okay. So Manny, who plays Sancho, uh, played by Ernie Sabella, who we all know as Pumbaa from The Lion King. I think he yeah he's been in I think a lot of things. Yeah, he's a he's a big character actor, Broadway guy. Yeah, um, he's. So so Manny wants Michelle. Michelle wants Ray. Ray wants Nicole. Nicole wants Ray. Nicole wants Ray. John wants, wants Nicole. Nicole. And has Anita. And has it has Anita. Probably has everybody at some point. Um, we cut to the next morning, I think. The morning after opening night, and they're having a rehearsal to get um Nicole up to speed. Which starts out with her doing her costume fitting on stage with Sam in the house watching, which is very strange with to me. everyone in the house watching. Well, not everyone, but like there's, again, there's brunettes stretching behind her. There are like a few guys dressed like Don Quixote. For like, some reason, I Manny like is there dressed as a cop. Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like everybody's just saying, they're like, what do theater people do during the day when the per- performance isn't happening? The, I don't the answer know. is sleep. <laughs> yeah, the answer is sleep, especially because you guys just had an opening night party and uh i don't know do your groceries do some laundry then go do your damn show yeah Come on. but uh but this is if... normal i mean like when you bring on a new understudy you do have to rehearse them in oh, that that's makes sense normal, yeah and it makes sense that sam the understudy would be like there for that rehearsal that makes sense but why is everybody else there yeah and the stage manager weirdly says like oh make sure you're showing her tits in this costume i think he was supposed to be the director was he I think so, because we didn't, well, I feel like it, because he's like, he, he says, like, we're going to do this scene, take it from this part, yeah. and uh, and he, when he said, like, you know, make sure you can see her tits or whatever, like, that seemed like a directory thing, too. Yeah. It's just that then he hopped on the piano to start accompanying, because I think the one... they just didn't want to cast a music director and a... But he was also the one yelling about timing backstage on opening night. Yeah. I and mean, also, like in a again in a normal production professional production, the director isn't there after opening night. He fucks off. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, who is this guy? <laughs> if he's a stage manager, then he's a great pianist, and he's making decisions about costumes, yeah. which is weird. I don't know. You know what I mean? It just seems a bit. Who is this guy? <laughs> it's Charlie. His name is Charlie. Was it? Yeah. Uh. Um, um, but yeah, so Charlie's like, take it from this scene. Sam has to act and he's like, and she, terri- he immediately terrified. says, take it from page 11 and grabs Sam's script and takes it away because of course he you shouldn't be need it. Yeah. But then, uh, fortunately, uh, Al shows up holding the script of Man of La Mancha 
and just holds it there for Sam to read. And then he, Sam does the entire scene. He also, this is um, where he says, like, Sam, you have photographic memory, remember? He says, and yeah. And holds the script I, in front I of him. Sam, you've got a photographic memory. Start reading. <laughs> it's like, okay, so. <laughs> Those two things are totally connected. Yeah, but, but I mean, again, it's just kind of like, you will rehearse this once and then you'll be fine for the show at the end of the episode, is what I read. It's like, um, we're going to put this one line in here to explain how Sam is able to do the whole production later. Yeah, and, and he's not really scared beyond that. I mean, maybe a little bit, but it's like, it's like the, he feels totally confident after reading this one scene. Yeah. Which, by the way, is just the script. Like, it, it's not blocking. It's not blocking. It's not it's choreography. Not it's not fight choreography. <laughs> None of this stuff. Anyway, so Sam starts reading the script, and I've got to say, giving a really fucking underwhelming performance, because it's Scott Bakula being like, I'm reading these lines. And uh, meanwhile, Nicole is giving like a solid performance, doing theater acting. And Sam's just like there, um, uh, my lady, wh- whither thou goest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, and then uh, John O'Malley shows up in the house and starts saying, oh! Uh, <laughs> that was your greatest was performance! Your, I've never seen you perform with such passion! And Sam's like, I guess I'm a good actor. Am I a good actor, you guys? Did nobody tell me I'm a good yeah, actor? Am I actually good? Is it? I also love that... Uh, am when... I great at this? <laughs> There's like one part, too, where they're like, where are we going from or something? And the costume lady's sitting in the corner. She's got a cigarette. <laughs> she's always got a cigarette in her mouth. I love this costume lady. Yeah. And she's wearing this pink muumuu. And she's just like, my lady just said that blah, 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 blah. Like, she just rattles off a line that's, like, beautiful yeah. text, but yeah. in such a, like... Yeah. She's excellent. Yeah. Dixie? She might be the Dixie. Let me think. I know John O'Malley's pretty good. Like, he's pretty he's funny. Pretty good. Yeah, we'll have to think about that. Yeah. And then they go to her apartment after that? Um, I don't... Think so. I think we're just in the theater here. Um, this is where my my note is Sam crisis, which is just Sam flipping out and saying like, "Well, I don't want to save him. I also like I can't be with her because I'm just gonna leap out in a second anyway. Uh, and if I don't save him, then he's probably gonna leap me out anyway. And all of this. And Sam is just like fully having like a Spider Man two crisis of being a superhero. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> which is really it's like relatable in a sense of like I didn't ask to do this I like had my entire life taken away from me mm. it's like Jesus Christ superstar yeah I only want to say <laughs> if there's a way um I also just at this point I was kind of like we don't really get a sense of who Ray is in this episode no it's like, not there about is, Ray's kind of insignificant is in he, a way like, a good dude, or is he not a good dude? Because from Nicole's point of view, he seems like a really sweet guy. From uh, Michelle's point of view, he seems like kind of a weird musical theater slut. Yeah. Not that I'm slut-shaming, but, like, what, like, just who, which picture of this guy is right? Well, I don't know. In a way, I kind of found it interesting that it was irrelevant, because it's like, then we just get to see Sam dealing with things without judging which he always does yeah i guess that's the thing it's like kind of by by doing that like because again we've talked about his swiss cheese personality and how bacula will always kind of like do uh uh 
like a genre performance. And in this case, they just said, no, just be Bacula. Like what you're dealing with is enough. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, Um, Yeah, then we get, I think this is where we get that weird Three's Company plot where everybody's lying to everybody for no apparent reason at the bar. That's my next note. Before that has to be the part where he's in the apartment with her. Which, was there another time? All I remember is the one scene. Did we talk about it? Where he d- he's playing the piano? He's, yeah, we, we talked about that earlier and that was Oh, earlier. just briefly. Yeah. Did you have more you wanted to say about that? About the longest kiss ever? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, he digs his hand into that big, big hair. And uh, <laughs> they just kiss it. He's like kissing her neck. He's kissing all over her face. And the camera just stays there for like... I'm going to say 15 seconds. Like, it is... I would have said, like, 30. Uncomfortably long. Yeah, it feels like five minutes. And that just fades to commercial. It's not like it's not like that was time no. well used. No, that was it. Yeah. So that was weird. Train that was a short time. train. The train went and it went. It went and it went. <laughs> Typical train. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah, I, I, yeah, it was also interesting that, yeah. No, I guess we talked about it, how she says, like, she's had so many students over the years, so she yeah. wouldn't remember. I'm like, yeah. what a slut. But it's, I mean, it's neat, <laughs> Again, though, because... Again, not slut-shaming, but it's, it's... us slutty piano teachers with all our <laughs> students we don't fall in love with. It's funny, though, because, like, she loves them enough. She's got a photograph of her and her students on her mantle. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, like, she clearly loves them, but then also doesn't particularly seem to care about any of them in dialogue. Which is what really creeped me out. Like, the picture of all the kids, he's looking at it, and he's like, yeah, she was such a good piano teacher. I'm like, ew, <laughs> just stop it. Oh, those stop long, it. flexible fingers. <laughs> mm. Her patient but firm way of teaching. Mm, I loved when she gave me a tongue lashing. Ew. Ew. <laughs> My point was, there is this part, though, where Sam is playing the piano and singing. Um, Dulcinea? Yeah. Yeah. It was so beautiful. <laughs> oh, I'm so underwhelmed by Sam singing in this episode. I thought, I mean, when he was playing and singing, it was very sweet, and he was kind of doing it quietly. He does it a couple times, yeah. He, he does kind of shy. The one time in her so apartment, sweet. he's singing Dulcinea, and at that point, like, it's, it's supposed to be, it's clearly they're being like, Sam is uncomfortable, he doesn't have faith in his ability to sing. Yeah. And then later on, we see him rehearsing again on stage, and I think he's singing The Quest, and is that one's more supposed to be just like he's just kind of mellowly chilling out at the piano, and then the third time is when he's doing the actual performance, and they're supposed to be like, "Oh my God, Scott Bakula is the most amazing singer," and I was underwhelmed by all three. Oh, I liked it best when he was all quiet about it. It was very dreamy. Mm. Whatever. Um, Every now and then, because we have some. I've I've seen some social media followers who are, are like have huge crushes on Scott Bakula, and I'll be like, okay, I don't know, I don't know if I get it. But every now and then, I'm like, oh, I kind of get it. <laughs> We've not... talked about it. I know. I'm gonna keep talking about it. <laughs> yeah, I know. You I wanted think... to do this no. show. I think like yes, yeah, season it. one, Bakula was uh, a hunk of man meat. I I get it, but I don't think he's a very good singer. Hunk of man meat does not a crush make. <laughs> 
That's true. I mean, no, that's true. That's absolutely true. Crying. Crying. That's <laughs> where love happens. <laughs> Weeping like a child is where... <laughs> and awkward singing. Yep. I'm not a difficult person to understand, but... Oh, man. Imagine if someone sang so awkwardly that they started crying. <laughs> you would be gone. I'd be like, That's why I love Gerard Butler Daniel, in The Phantom of the Opera. it's been nice knowing you. <laughs> We did. We rewatched the film of Phantom of the Opera, and he's like, he's such an awkward singer. And I'm like, I know. I'm like crying. Are he's... you serious? I love it. Oh my! I don't God. care. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. He's so bad. <laughs> no, I know, but like, but not that bad. No, he is that bad. No. He is as bad as can be. But like, I think that the acting makes up for it. Are you what? I think that. I Who think he's being you? sincere and genuine. No, I love it. And and he's so he's so sad. No, there's he's no, so not sad. a single good thing in that movie. Not one good thing in that entire Kieran movie. Kieran Hines? Simon what? Callow? Which one which one? Kieran Hines and Simon Simon Callow are the the um The managers? Yeah, the managers. No. Patrick Wilson? Nope. Patrick Wilson. When he's singing, just constantly looks surprised. He's like, what's going, what's, what, what's my voice doing? He's got a beautiful voice. He's a fine singer, but he just like. I think he looks calm and confident as that wide vibrato just slides gently from that throat. (laughs) Oh man, if you like him, you'll love Leet Stetson. (laughs) A man who can actually act. <laughs> I'm gonna cut that. That was mean, but still. No! <laughs> I think you should keep it. <laughs> I mean, like, Lee Stetson, a man for all, for all seasons, for all roles, <laughs> actor for all roles. No, I think Patrick Wilson is a fine actor. He's great in um, Angels in America um, and other things that I've seen Insidious, him in. The Conjuring. Uh, no, not those. I don't know. I've seen him. I, I think he's a fine actor. I just don't think he did no, a good job. No, only in that the film. things I like. He's only good at the things I like, Kristen, says Lee. <laughs> no, I just don't think he. he again, he, he went. When he's, he's a singing, fine actor when I say he's a fine actor. <laughs> I don't think that was a good performance. That's all I'm saying. Uh, you know, you just have no whimsy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm whimsy for days. <laughs> Whimsy for days. I'm Lord Peter Whimsy. The Leeds Stetson story. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. Um, So then we get this weird Three's Company plot where we're back at the bar after a show. um, And Sam gets there and he's looking for Nicole. Michelle says, oh, Nicole went and is doing a in hotel room rehearsal with John. So Sam goes up to confront John. Meanwhile, Nicole comes down to the bar and is told that Sam is fucking Nicole, uh, uh, Michelle. Michelle. So Sam, meanwhile, goes up to John's apartment and says, hey, where's Nicole? And John says, oh, she's in the shower. Come on in. Sam leaves and then Anita steps out of the shower. Why are all these people lying for no reason? Well, you know, it was kind of, I mean... It was a little interesting because you're like, okay, Michelle 
tells Manny they're going to lie about it because he that she yeah. wants him to love her and not Nicole. Yeah, he yeah, so that that lie makes that sense. Makes Michelle sense, right? Michelle wants to break up those two so that she can be with Ray. Yeah. Again, it's it's a very threes company way of doing it, but at least it's motivated. Yeah, yeah. But I think what so then when he goes upstairs because we know that that John wants to fuck Nicole. So when um Ray says, uh, hey, I heard you were... He's like, can I speak with Nicole? And he's like, Nicole. Like, at first, he's kind of confused, right? He's like, is that who I just fucked? Yeah. (laughs) And then uh, Sam goes like, I I heard she was up here uh, rehearsing. And he's like, oh, yeah, just just a minute. And then... Yeah, um, come on in. And then someone's clearly in the shower. So I understand his motive because I think he quickly thinks to himself, oh, if he thinks Nicole's in the shower, then he'll leave Nicole alone, and then I'll get Nicole, right? That makes sense to me, but the only part of the plan that fails for me is if Ray suddenly was like, no, I'm going to wait. Yeah. And then she gets out of the shower, and he's like, this isn't fucking Nicole. Yeah. I guess that that, that makes sense. I didn't catch that that would be John's motivation. It definitely, it's a weird performance in that scene. Yeah, his motivation makes sense. It just doesn't make sense with, like, the scene itself. Like, I think in the moment he would think to himself, like, he should have said something like, oh, you know what, she's in the shower, but she's really tired. Like, she's not going to want to talk to you because she's been fucked. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) I fucked her blue, and then Al's like, yeah! (laughs) Al's in the window gleeful also it's too bad that Al wasn't there because he would 100% have looked in the shower and been like like, I'll be right back (laughs) that's not Nicole Sam you got nothing to worry about this is all okay this is all on the up and up says Al (laughs) um yeah that's how that's how John should have played it like oh you can't come in yeah that would have been she is in here you know it's just that be offering him a gin and it's also like he could have like hit you like maybe ray what if ray got really mad and like punched him like yep. i i feel like i also don't understand why all these women do want to get with john it's just that he's an old drunk who like wears a fancy cape like i don't know he's a strange character he's a weird guy and very drunk he's always very drunk you know what i mean it, it's just you know what it is it's like we're getting the picture of, yeah, the womanizer, who the guy who like also uses his stat, status to take advantage of women. Mm-hmm. We're also getting the stereotype of, you know, the old man, like the veteran actor in um, Noises Off? Mm, Denholm Elliott. Yeah. Yeah. Is, that's the actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the movie. Yeah. Right. The character's name, I don't remember, but they always Marvin, shout it. Ma- yeah. Melville, something like that. Yeah, because they're always screaming his name because he misses his entrance yeah. all the time. So I'm like... In okay, that's the thing. Noise is off. The director is the womanizer, right? And you're like, like okay, yeah. I understand why everyone's sleeping with him to get the roles or whatever, and also because he's charming, and that's a director thing. And then some characters fall in love with each other just because people yeah. tend to. Yeah, if you're spending that much time together, yeah. sure. But it's like just to see the combination of director character with drunk veteran actor character. It didn't. Like yeah. like I said before, it didn't quite. Line but then again, up. clearly this is a guy who's like powerful enough that yeah. he can again change the casting. Um, this is something we completely forgot to talk about in the yeah. rehearsal rehearsal on stage 
uh, costume fitting part where after um, uh, John walks on and says, oh, you know, Ray, you did such a great performance. Hey, why don't we listen to uh, Nicole sing her song? Why do you do these things you do? Or why does he do these things he does? Whatever. Um, no. no. Why do you do? Why do you? No, what do you want from me? What do you want from me? What the does song? he want? Yeah. What Pronouns are hard. Yeah. Um, uh, and she sings it. And uh, she's fine. She's struggling on them high notes. Yeah, my understanding of Man of La Mancha, which is minimal, um, is that that's a it, it, it's very classic music theater in that you probably get like a classical soprano yeah, for that, right? Very much. It's um, like borderline operatic. Yep. Yeah, like it makes me think of like Nancy and uh, Oliver or something. Like when you yeah. hear someone sing as long as he needs me and they're like an alto, you can really hear it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of how this felt. It felt like a pop music theater singer yeah. trying to sing classical music theater. And struggling with the high notes, which are not nearly as high as some of the other notes she has to sing in the show. Yeah, so yeah. So she's, she's not well cast, but um, anyway, John uh, has the power in that scene to be like, you know what? Uh, why don't why doesn't she go on in the lead role for this benefit performance we're doing on Wednesday? And the director slash stage manager slash music director is just like, I guess. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so he's clearly powerful enough that like maybe he is worth sleeping with. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just, you know. But also, like, it just seems like she and. Michelle are a natural pair. Like they should just like bone down together and leave everybody else alone. Yeah. Because they're clearly peas in a pod. Mm-hmm. Except that they're uh, in love with other people. Well, I don't... John is in love with himself. Yeah, yeah. I know. Um, then, okay, so in, in reaction to this weird, like I said, Three's Company plot where everybody's lying in a way that has now been explained to me but was not clear in the episode, um, Al has this horrifying line but at least it shows that he's self-aware he says women you can't trust them they don't understand the double standard yeah which is like real fucking on the nose for al calavici here yeah he's just like he gets it he gets it he's just like oh yeah no men sleep around and women don't and that's correct it's a double standard get on board yeah (laughs) like oh (laughs) On the one hand, I'm like, well, I'm glad you know that it's a double standard. Yeah. But on the other hand, you're like, just Wh- cool with it. Yeah, why are you just like, okay, and wh- why are we supposed to like you after that sentence? Uh, yeah. Well, because it's out. It's fucking out. I, <laughs> I suppose I should take this moment to mention two, um, oh, yeah, I know. To mention two great owl outfits. Yep. The first one is like brown. Um, the shirt is like kind of beige and black pattern, like a crazy pattern. Or no, it's like a green camo kind of paisley. Yeah, I was going to call it paisley. And the pants are like an orangish brown. And his tie is sparkling gold. Was that a tie or I felt it was just like he was wearing like a necklace or something? Oh, I like even a... thought like a, like a neckerchief kind yeah. of thing. Whatever it was. So that's one. It was bananas. But his final outfit, I'm going to just get to now because I think we're nearing that part anyway when they do the show. But um, it's like 
I couldn't really figure out what the pattern on his shirt or vest was, but it was like circles with like little hoops in them. And so they looked kind of like donuts and his tie was bright pink with multicolored lines on it that looked like sprinkles and icing. <laughs> so this was like, I'm calling this episode the donut. <laughs> the Krispy Kreme. The Krispy Kreme. That's perfect. And for me, it's a big old contender just because <laughs> if it's what I think it is, and I couldn't tell, like, I'll have to look at some images and tell for sure. But if, yeah. if it's a deliberate donut outfit, <laughs> it's my favorite. Um, this is the, this is the, we're in uh, Sam's, uh, uh, what's it called? Darkest Night, um... Darkest Night of the Soul. Darkest Night of the Soul, where he's just like sitting backstage with his arms crossed and he's like, fuck it, I'm not going to save him. This is the night where he's supposed to fall down and break his leg and I'm, fuck it, I'm just not going to. Like, fuck everything. I'm never going to love again. The women are shit. I'm just going to stand here until God leaps me out of here or I die. Yeah, yeah. This is kind of interesting. And so... It's funny that like he reverts to a child in this episode again. He's like, yeah. oh, she makes me feel like I'm 15 again, maybe a bit older. I'm like, I hope a bit older, my God. At least 18, please, please Sam. Stop. Please stop this. Um, but like, and, and that, you know, he's got this crush that, like Al says, like you're out of control. Like yeah. you need to get back to the program. But, um, and then at the end, he's like, he's a child again. He's like, well, if my piano teacher doesn't want to sleep with me, then I don't want to choose to play. Like, <laughs> it's really weird. Um, and yeah, he even looks at, like, John's about to go on stage and he's like, hey, break a leg. Which again, I could have written that line eight years ago before I ever saw this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh. I broke my leg. <laughs> Um, yeah, I know. Um, uh, so then, but Love then, Farrell. of course, um, John gets to the top of the stairs and start, starts wobbling, and you see him starting to topple over. Okay. And in that spur of the moment, Sam, of course, decides to save him. Why? Because he's a good, good boy. He's a good, good boy. Like, there's no, again, you'd kind of want to have, like, a reason for him to change his mind. But on the other hand, it's just like, he sees a guy in peril and he has to save him. He can't help himself. John's wobbling though was so funny. (laughs) So bad. So this man is so drunk, guys. You don't even understand. He like enters and the audience is like, yay, it's John. And he's just like clutching this flimsy rope. First of all, I'm like, you need like something actually blocking off these stairs that's not a rope, I think. But that's fine. He's like clutching it and he's tumbling like for a good like. There's gotta be seconds. a gif of this somewhere. <laughs> he like can't get back up. It's not like he just fell. Sorry. I spat at Lee. It's not like he just fell. It's like he comes out and he can't even stand, let alone walk downstairs. It's almost like he gets down and starts crawling. Like he's so drunk. <laughs> Why is he, he so just drunk? Rolls off and he's like, oh! Why is this? Like, this is the thing when you, like, there's a difference between like, oh, I think he had a few drinks before the show, and being like, he's plastered. Yeah. It's like it's weird because either he's like a functional alcoholic and can like get through a show, <laughs> yeah, or there should be some 
in-story justification for why he drank way more tonight than usual or something like that. But he was acting either like he had never been drunk before or he was a guy who has been blackout drunk every day for the past 40 years. No, no in-between. Yeah, yeah. It was just so funny. Like, he just had so much trouble with those stairs. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Sam breaks Sam the Sam runs out and saves him. And then everybody, the costume woman rushes out. Like everybody, everybody is just doing a dog pile trying to save John fucking O'Malley. Meanwhile, the curtains are still open and the audience is like, <laughs> um, and they're like, all these people, they're just talking. They're just like, are you okay? What's going on? The dancers are just sort of there like. Still stretching. Still stretching. <laughs> and then they're like, okay, they just decide like that Sam has to go on well, and he, do the show. John chooses. He he takes oh, a right. moment and says, well, it doesn't matter. But John John gives him his, his okay to do the performance. And then suddenly we're just reset for the top of the show. They don't even close the curtain again. It's like Sam, they all just kind of like leave the stage Rewind. casually. <laughs> and then Sam just enters again and with, it's like like the trunk back at the top of the stairs like I, they just reset everything with the curtains open yeah like to the audience they might be like is this all has this all been part of it like <laughs> up to this moment because you know in case you guys don't know like like I, I, when that happens in the theater the curtains close and then usually like someone or maybe whether or not they close that's irrelevant but like someone comes out like an asm or a stage manager or the director or somebody and we'll be like um so sorry uh for the inconvenience like we'll get please wait five minutes yep. we'll we'll let you know they wouldn't know right away whether they're gonna start the show again they'd have to talk about it quick mm-hmm. can probably. i tell you can i tell you a funny story yes i was seeing a show on broadway um um should I say the name of the show? It's not 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 a show that anyone will have ever have heard of, but we saw it on like the second night after opening. Why don't you say what it is, uh, separate of the story, with enough room to edit if you change yeah. your mind? It was a show called Chinglish. Okay. Um, it's kind of like the movie Spanglish, but in China. Okay. Not, not really, but um, anyway, it doesn't matter what the show is. But um, it's it's a very like all of the scene changes are kind of mechanical, and they have like the the set walls opening up and then like a track with like a bunch of chairs on it sliding through and then the doors close again and then like like people will carry on like a couple of like random props but mainly it's just all this mechanical moving shit around mm-hmm. and we were like i said there the second night after it opened and at one point they were doing a scene change and the chairs are like heading on the track towards the wall but the wall doesn't open up and it just and the chairs just hit the hit the side of the wall where the door was supposed to be. Where, where the door was, but the door didn't open. Uh, and so then, like everything stops for a minute, and um, they you can see them trying the doors and it goes chung chung chung, and then they try to move the chairs and it goes chung chung, <laughs> and then they try the doors and it goes chung chung, and then they bring down the curtain, and the voice of the stage manager comes and says, um. We're just going to take five minutes here, folks. <laughs> Sorry for the delay. And then they bring up the, the house lights to half. And we're just sitting there for about five minutes. And then the stage manager voice comes back on and says, Okay, so we're going to have to skip about two-thirds of a page here. <laughs> this is what you will have missed. And now we're going to step back in, in a new scene, in this location. And then the, the curtains come up. <laughs> and they keep going with the show. That's 
so crazy. It's That's so like bananas. a literal Phantom of the Opera moment. Like, I always think it's funny when after the, or right before the chandelier crashes as part of the play, yeah. they're like, um, oh, because Carlotta loses her voice, right? And then they're like, uh, in the meantime, we'll be presenting the ballet from Act 4. And like yeah. the orchestra scrambles and the dancers are like, what the fuck are we doing? And uh, like, that's a normal thing. Yeah. Theaters do. I'm That's like, something I've never seen before. Like, we're going to skip a scene. We cannot do the next scene of this play. I've never seen no, that before in no, my no, life. No, no, Even no. if it's just, we're going to leave the curtains closed and have the actors come out and do the dialogue or something. Yeah, that's I've never crazy. seen anything like it before. Yeah, that's very strange. <laughs> um, anyway, Sam goes on and does the performance. And then we just get a bit of a montage of Sam singing singing the song singing all the hits yeah it was pretty good i thought i did not think it was very good he was flat the whole time well and also they put like a lot of weird reverb on his voice yeah that's why at first i was like is this even scott bacula just because you could tell that it was a pre-recorded thing which i guess it would have been either way i just would have liked if they had let it sound like it was actually in the space yeah all the other people like everyone else was pre-recorded but, and you could tell they were lip syncing, but they were like, at least sounded a bit natural. For some reason, they were like, oh no, we gotta, we gotta uh, give some, give some echo here to Bacula. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I didn't think it was necessary. Yeah. But, and he does a fine job. And then as soon as, as he's leaving the stage, uh, uh, Nicole's looking at him singing the, the finale, finale yeah. um, which is just, again, the impossible dream. Yeah, with the alternate lyrics. Yeah, and she's just looking and, like, about to cry and singing that at him. And every, and and he's, like, I guess at this point, Don Quixote is dead yep. and is and walking Cervantes, off to... Cervantes uh, gets back up and leaves the... Oh, I see. I'll tell you the framing device later. <laughs> no, you've... Yeah, you kind of mentioned it before, but, like, either way, he's leaving the stage yeah. and looking at everyone kind of lovingly mm-hmm. and, like, I forgive thee, Nicole, even though I don't think he understands that she didn't sleep with John yeah. yet. He's just decided to forgive her. I don't think it, that ever got cleared up oh, that's for okay. oh, did? Sam. Uh, no, I think, I think um, Manny told him. Oh, yeah, Manny did, yeah. Oh, by the way, in exchange for his help with this deceit mm. of telling everyone that they were sleeping with everyone else maddie got to sleep with michelle and that's just a thing that's okay that like she yeah i mean train train heading east telephone train and train um anyway uh yeah uh, whatever like I guess up to her she sort of said like do this for me and then meet me in my room like Ugh. I know but at least she was yeah she put it out there yeah you know he didn't I don't know yeah no it's not great but she decided to whatever yeah and like the next day though the, it's the way Manny said it where he's like oh uh, yeah I pretended along with her and then she let me blank and I'm like oh let me like she that's let the gross me. part that's the really terrible part for me that's that he does a good good job and and but then also has a full-on conversation with al during this finale they're walking up the stairs together and doing the dialogue from the play at each other at each other but like from a different scene from the whole other scene sam is supposed to be silent and very stoically walking up the stairs to his death at this point um 
but just fully just having a conversation with Al as they go. Because again, if unless you mean for the audience to hear you, they won't hear you. Yeah. This is okay. This is the difference between Sam giving a performance. He's like, um, a woman is the very soul of man, uh, the lantern that lights his way. Uh, a woman is glory. And then this is Sam having a silent conversation on stage. What are we gonna do, Al? <laughs> <laughs> It's very dumb. But it was such a cute, fun episode. I had fun with it. Yeah, that was a silly episode. And again, I I love how this one was clearly not about doing the thing. It was about Sam realizing what his role is in the Quantum Leap universe, which is to be a knight errant and to put things right that once went wrong. Yeah. It's very sweet. Yeah. And also hopefully got him over this stupid fucking crush on his piano teacher. (laughs) That was very weird. Do you have anything to plug? My podcast, On a Dark Cold Night. It's a bedtime ghost story podcast. That'll tie into our next uh, uh, prediction, too, I suspect. But um, I have a funny movie pitching podcast um, called The Pitch Off Project. We will shortly be going on a hiatus because I don't have time to deal with it. While I'm doing my hilarious Fringe tour, we're going to be coming up in London, Ontario at the end of May, beginning of June. I, I'm excited. I cheated and did two plugs. Oh, I also have the dates I can you tell can you. You can do... The Hamilton dates I can give you now. Oh, great. Yeah. I can do... We don't have any... I was going to say you can plug as many things as you want. Within reason. <laughs> I don't have anything else. I could start plugging just friends. The um, TV show. Yeah. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> um, okay. So we leap in. Sam is oh, wearing a trench coat I'm and a fedora. I'm so excited. I can't wait. It's a dark and stormy night and he's in a graveyard. Uh, he's wandering around. He walks up to a mausoleum and then a pretty woman suddenly appears wearing uh, like a white dress and a black cape and he shines his fa- flashlight on her face and says, oh boy. And that's our cliffhanger. Yeah. So um, she, I think, is meant to look like a ghost. Or a, or a vampire. Oh, yeah. She's supposed to be vampire. Oh, that's interesting, because at first I, I was going to say vampire. Maybe he's a vampire hunter. But then um, I looked at her and I was like, nah, that's a ghost. Sure. If, but, that's, if that's your impression. Well, either way. Either way. Whether ghost or vampire, there's so... She's some kind of undead. Well, here's the thing. So you know me and I'm like, I want her to be undead. Like, I, I sincerely hope that she's a ghost or a vampire. However... Knowing Quantum Leap. There's not going to be a ghost or a vampire here. I know that it's not a ghost nor a vampire. (laughs) And that crushes me because I don't want to get my hopes up. You know what I mean? So yeah, while I dearly hope that it's a vampire or a ghost, I know that it won't be because that's not... This show delves into only reality and time travel. But it's for sure framed (laughs) as a horror supernatural thing. So like, it'll probably be... Um, at least in the genre of, I would assume. Well, I wonder what the vehicle could be then. Because I'm going to assume she's pretending to be a vampire or a ghost. So I I could go with like a ghost walk or like a murder mystery kind of tour. Oh, that'd be fun. You know what I mean? Like, that'd be dope, yeah. But then that would assume that he just went from doing like conventional theater to doing like site-specific theater or like, what do you call that? What's the word for that Immersive kind of theater? theater. Yeah, yeah, something like that. So that's also unlikely. Maybe they're shooting the cover of like a supernatural mystery novel. 
because he looked very typical in his trench coat and flashlight and the graves looked very idyllic and uh she looked very like a you know 70s 80s so you think we're gonna do that romance cover where where he's gonna like hit that pose and suddenly there's gonna be a flash and we got it we got it kids (laughs) that's a wrap and she like whips out a cigarette and is like and then suddenly we have a weird um, a weird plot uh, just about, like, he's got to save his brother. Yeah, it'll have nothing to do with that. It'll have nothing to, it'll have nothing to do with the ghosts and the ghouls. I wish it did. That would be very disappointing, but... Maybe they're, like, con artists. No. Because like it's a... not a house. Like, you know how you hear about people who, like, go to... There are lots of movies. People go to someone's house to, like, exercise a demon or a ghost, and they're just ripping them off, and they fake it. But and they're in a you, graveyard. Why aren't you? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's true. So I don't know. But who... It could be like a family mausoleum or some shit. Don't, don't, don't discount your theories. I'm gonna go with it's a photo shoot. And then what do you think the episode's gonna be about? Anything other than a photo shoot? He's a model with beautiful blue eyes. <laughs> that's it. Okay. Well, we'll find <laughs> and he's out. He's gotta learn how to love his eyes. His beautiful eyes. <laughs> well, find out. Keep your beautiful blue eyes. Peeled for the next episode of Oh Boy, It's Kristen and Lead. Bye. Bye.